You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome and good morning or good afternoon to all of you out there. You're joining me live here on Pet Life Radio. I'm Dr. Jeff Werber, the host of Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, and we'll be with you for the next 30 minutes, hopefully just answering questions if you have any. If you have the courage to call and ask, very easy, 877-385-8882. Or if you want to just send me a note, you can do so live. Just go on to PetLifeRadio.com, click on the Ask the Vets tab, and you can see the page there. Join in on the conversation. We can talk. And lastly, just send me a quick email to drjeff at PetLifeRadio.com. So hopefully you're all having a good weekend. I certainly am so far. Uh, it goes really fast. If you're out there in some place that's really hot and really humid, I know we've talked almost ad nauseum about some safety tips for your pets in the hot weather, making sure you exercise either early in the morning or very late in the evening. Uh, if you want to take that long walk during the day, plenty of shade, plenty of water at all times. If you have an air-conditioned house, leave them inside if you can. And uh, of course, never, never leave your dog in a parked car. I'm sure you've heard that story about Jennifer Beals from Flashdance, who is in Vancouver currently shooting and apparently has this magnificent German Shepherd rescue. And she has been into rescue for a long time. She pulled up in front of a business. I think it was just to pick something up. I think dry cleaning, something simple. Dog was in, uh, windows were down, you know, cracked certainly enough. And she was literally right inside. She can watch the dog. And she noticed all these people coming around the picture, taking pictures. She thought, oh my God, how nice. They're probably just taking pictures because my dog is so cute. Well, it turns out they were, they were taking pictures. Who is this person, this idiot leaving their dog in a parked car? So anyway, they called the police. It turned out and everything was, was fine and uh, it was nothing cited. But remember that many, and here in California, it's against the law to leave your dog in a parked car. And in Tennessee, you can actually break into the car and rescue the pet. So in Vancouver, they're, uh, I think they were just stunned that anybody would leave the dog in a parked car, even though it was only like 60 degrees and it wasn't sunny at the time. And she was literally right there watching. It's like you know, putting your dog in a car, getting out of the car, standing right next to your car and talking to somebody, a friend, you see somebody or whatever, and then someone seeing the dog in a parked car. So I mean, there's always you know, the two sides to every story, but I thought it was rather interesting. And of course, our hearts all have to go out to Cecil the Lion. That story made me sick, and I hope anyone out there, you know, it was interesting. there was a group of veterinarians here in Los Angeles to remain unnamed, and one of my very good friends, and actually was one of my practice managers, we had a business together called Pet Limo, oh, way, way back, 25 years ago, whatever, and he would tell me that one of the guys that he used to work for had a private room in his home that you could only get there, which one of those like secret rooms, you had to press a button and it all opened up, you know, the bookcase opened up. It was his trophy room. He was a hunter. And I could never understand how hunting and veterinary medicine go together. Not, I mean, let me, let me preface, rephrase, hunting for sport. For example, if you were to hunt quail with your retriever, but you're eating the quail, you know, that's a different story. It could be argued. Personally, it doesn't do it for me, but I understand. Going fishing. I mean, yes, you're hunting in a sense, but you're catching fish. And if you're going to catch and release for the sport, ah, no problem. 
If you're going to catch and eat it, all right, that's how, I mean, fish are caught. Why not? But to hunt so you can hang a trophy in your private room, that is sick. So I would love to hear, talk about an active discussion. I mean, I would be surprised anyone who's going to pet life radio is going to support this dentist. I can't imagine any of those patients ever wanting to go back to that dentist. I'm sure you've read online all the punishments that people would like to do to him, like shoot him with an arrow, let him sit there and suffer for 40 hours, and then go ahead and kill him. I mean, it really is just insane what this guy did. And now trying to blame it on the guy who ran the, the program. I mean, bottom line is I am not in favor at all of anyone who does anything like that. I don't get it. I don't understand it. The fact that he's a medical person makes it even more disgusting to me. But if somebody has a counterpoint, please share it with me. I want to hear it. 877-385-8882. So uh, anyway, you know, we have, uh, I've been very dog heavy lately. A lot of the stuff that comes up is dog-related. So I wanted to just, you know, since there actually are more cats in the U.S. than dogs, there are actually more cats in Dr. Werber's household than dogs, six to five. So I thought maybe it would be a nice thing to share. You know, like, what do you do, first of all, how to recognize? what When, you, when we say a cat, just like a dog, is ADR, and you've heard me use that term before, ain't doing right. What are some signs that your pet is off, that your cat is off? What can you look for? To know that, you know, uh, maybe uh, it might be worthwhile to get some professional help, see a doc. Um, so let, let's just go. I'm going to go through this list. You can write them down if you want. Uh, this will be available online here at Pet Life Radio. But first of all, a biggie for cats is vomiting. Anything gastrointestinal, whether it could be vomiting, it could be diarrhea, it could be decreased appetite or just not eating at all, that's not a good sign. Which is also, by the way, as we go through this list, one of the things I always tell people to do is make sure you know your pet's normals. Because if you don't know their normals, you're not gonna recognize their abnormals. So just every, every little thing they do, their, with their coat, how it looks, put them on your lap, feel their breathing patterns, feel how quick it is for them to purr. Whatever it is, just take note of what is normal. And then when those things stop happening, or one of those stops happening, you're gonna know. So acting lethargic, just kind of less energy, open mouth breathing. That's a big one. You know, cats rarely pant. I don't know if anyone of you have ever seen a cat pant, but man, it is really frightening looking. It looks like they're possessed by the devil. I mean, they are, <laughs> and they're, they're, their teeth are showing, and it is really not a pretty sight to see a cat pant. You should know what their normal respiratory rate is. Just, you know, all you have to do is kind of watch their chest breathe, and then you'll know if they're breathing too fast, too slow. If their breathing is more shallow, they're taking shorter breaths and they're shorter but faster, that can be a problem. Any kind of excessive tearing or discharge from the eyes. If there's a smell coming from anywhere, that might not be normal. If they feel a little too warm or too cold to the touch. And uh, if you have a cat, it's really hard for most people to get a feel for temperature just by feeling the outside. I mean, I can. People that, that hug and hold animals all the time probably can. But here's what you can do. Don't try to brush their teeth. Don't try to freak them out. But kind of as you're petting your cat, he's on your lap, lift up, stick your finger under his mouth and right under the upper lip and feel his gums. I mean, I'm sure you know that one of the places we take a temperature is under the tongue, inside the mouth. The mouth is a really good indicator. And what I'll often do is I'll just take my, my thumb and index finger, kind of make it like a, an arcade, a dental arcade, like a horseshoe shape, and literally put it right inside the mouth and just feel it for a second. And I always freak my technicians out when I say, oh my God, he's warm. 
and they take the temperature and turn off 103, 104 degrees. So you just have to know what the normal is, and then you'll start recognizing abnormal. If they stop using their litter box, that's another sign that things may be ADR, just ain't doing right. Obviously not drinking or not necessarily not using litter box for more than a day, but the same thing if they are using multiple trips to the litter box. What were they used to go three times a day, four times a day? Now they seem like to be going every 15 minutes. That, especially in a male cat, potentially could mean FLUTD, feline lower urinary tract disease. Again, very very important. Or just straining to urinate. They go into the box, but they sit there and the tails go up and they, the tail starts to quiver, but nothing's coming out. Or when they finally, they're in there for you know a minute or two, you'd expect a puddle, like when you're going to clean the litter box, that's huge. And what do you get? Nothing. So, uh, or very small amount. So that too is a concern. Uh, excessive grooming in the back area. When cats are starting to have urinary problems, what they'll do is it stings back there. It's weird, so they start licking a lot. And interestingly and sadly, sometimes that excess of licking, because I'm sure all of you have been licked by a cat, and we're talking sandpaper here, and I'm talking uh, low-grade sandpaper, meaning it's not super fine. So they are cleaning back there, and they can actually cause more irritation. So that's a problem. If you pick them up and they start crying in pain, or they just don't want to move, or every time you pet them, or, or you, you feel their abdomen is super tense. Another thing you look for is, is grooming. If their hair seems dry, is it falling out? Is it brittle? When you pet them, are you feeling a lot of scabs, especially the lower back or especially around the neck? That might mean something called miliary dermatitis. That also is a problem. How about limping? That's an important one. You watch them walking, and clearly their gait is abnormal. Something is off. Something is not right. That, too, might indicate a problem. They could have hurt themselves, especially if you have an indoor-outdoor cat. You know, it's pretty hard, let's face it, for an indoor cat, indoor-only cat, let's say for some reason end up on a ledge or the top of a refrigerator and something freaks them out and they try to jump off without hitting the counter first uh, to break the fall, to break the jump. You know, could they hurt themselves? Yeah. As we know, cats usually don't that way, but an outdoor cat, that could be a problem. And an indoor cat, if you live in a big city high-rise and you leave a window open and the screen is broken and there are birds outside, and this is this exact scenario that happened to my sister, sadly. Uh, cat, obviously loves birds, took a leap, not realizing, oh my God, I'm 33 stories up. It wasn't pretty. If the belly is distended, and this is also it's why it's so important to just get a feel for your cat. Just to pick them up, feel the belly. Now, look, as we know, when cats start to, to gain weight, where do they get? They gain in their belly, and they get that big, saggy belly that's flying back and forth. I mean, that's also a problem, but, I mean, it's something to know just if there's a very tight, distended belly. Excessive thirst. Are they drinking a lot? I mean, you, you talk about diabetes. That's one of the first signs we're going to see with a diabetic. They're drinking a lot, and they're urinating a lot. A bladder infection. Drinking a lot, urinating a lot. Kidney disease. Drinking a lot, urinating a lot. And of course, if you remember from our discussion about dogs, Cushing's disease, drinking a lot, urinating a lot. So it is a sign that uh, really indicates uh, that you need to make an appointment with your veterinarian. If the, as I said, we talked about the litter box, if there's excessive urine also, because what happens is as cats start to urinate excessively a lot, because they're drinking so much for the, all the reasons we just talked about, often their urine is more dilute, so there's more of it. So you know when you take that scooper or you're cleaning that box, you kind of have a feel for how big the clump is. Well, all of a sudden, if they're much, much bigger, that could be a problem. Of course, if you notice your pet losing weight, then that's an issue. So if, with any of these, any of them, you need to make an appointment with your veterinarian. Some things will be obviously necessary. An exam, of course, 
some laboratory work checking for kidney, liver function, blood sugar, infectious diseases like leukemia, urinary tract infections. So your analysis is key. And of course, x-rays to look for many, many different things, whether it's masses, whether it's stones in the bladder, the heart, the lungs. And of course, that might be followed up with an ultrasound as well. So we're here. Time for a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some questions that when you do see your veterinarian, you should want to ask. So uh, don't go away. We join us back in two seconds here on Pet Life Radio. I'm Dr. Jeff. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. This is my tired of itching face. Does your dog suffer from persistent itching and scratching? Allergies and skin irritations caused by environment, including pollens, insects, especially fleas, food, and common household allergens are common problems in dogs. It's easy to alleviate your dog's discomfort at home with ProSense. ProSense itch and allergy products provide fast relief from symptoms like itchy, irritated skin, skin infections like hot spots and watery eyes. ProSense products are veterinary formulated and recommended to ensure the very best for your pet. Try ProSense today. Your dog will thank you for it. Pets love life. Love them back with ProSense. Do you know that moment when your dirty dog's about to jump in your nice, clean car? You can avoid all the cleanup and mess with a 4K9 seat cover. 4K9s makes heavy-duty seat covers and cargo liners that will blend seamlessly with the interior of your vehicle. You can find us at 4K9s.com. That's the number 4, K-N-I-N-E-S.com or on Amazon.com. 4K9s makes nothing but the best for your best friend. Calling all pet product manufacturers and pet experts. Let the public relations and marketing professionals at Whitegate PR get you featured in the news. I'm Dana Humphrey at Whitegate PR, and we have been specializing in pet product PR for over 10 years and can get your brand featured in the media from TV to radio to print to blogs. You can find out more at www.whitegatepr.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. And today we're talking cats, um, maybe partly because of that very big cat that had a, a very, very sad ending to his life, Cecil the Lion. But I know that we're very dog heavy and interestingly, cats, there are more cats in the U.S. than there are dogs. As I mentioned earlier, there are more cats in my household than there are dogs, but I do have a lot of both. And, um, and also, you know, one of the problems with cats, interestingly, though there are more cats, that means more households in America have cats and there are more cats per household than there are dogs when there are multiple pet households. But cats generally, two things, two problems. Number one, overall, they seem to need us less, the veterinarian. Now, whether they truly need us less or they just don't outwardly show signs of their illnesses, which is why, as we just talked about, how important it is to recognize changes. Cats just don't complain that much. So we have to be more active as opposed to being passive when it comes to determining whether our cat is having an issue and needs to see the veterinarian. So we talked about, just went through a long list, and now we're going to talk about you're at the vet, you're getting that checkup, something is not right, as we like to say, ADR, your cat was ain't doing right, 
And now we're here. What are some questions that you want to ask your veterinarian? Make sure that before you leave that office call, you are set. So first of all, is my cat a healthy weight? And, you know, again, we know that cats often tend to be overweight. I do love the fact that cats are safe for indoors, especially in a city. My six are indoors. But again, we have to be very careful. 53% of cats in the U.S. are overweight. And that's just too much. Some of the diseases that this, it can be, are predisposed by obesity, especially in cats, is diabetes. Type 2 diabetes, which is the diabetes that we can control. Type 1 diabetes is juvenile onset. That's the diabetes that dogs get, even though they're not juveniles. They get an insulin-dependent diabetes. Cats, on the other hand, get type 2 diabetes, which is usually non-insulin-dependent. They may need insulin for a while. It could reverse. There are so many other factors involved. But it's very important to know what is a healthy weight for your cat. And then, obviously, going along with that is what should you feed your cat? Is it dry food? Is it canned food? Is it you know, wet food? We are now, because of the sensitivity that we have towards obesity, we are now advising, recommending more wet food for cats. First of all, wet food on a per gram basis has less calories because what is the filler in a wet food? The filler in a wet food is water. Ah, but the filler in a dry food is carbs. And too many carbs, as in people, can predispose to type 2 diabetes, especially since cats are obligate carnivores. Cats need more protein. So one of the many things that we recommend is not, not to eliminate dry food, of course, but because cats like to graze on dry during the day. That's what we do. I feed my cat's mealtime is meaty food, wet food from a can, very meaty, and my cats are all lean. I have one big one. I had two before he passed away in March, but you know, big Oreo, my big black and white, uh, Maine Coon Norwegian Forest cat cross. I mean, look, he was a cross of two huge cats. He was 22 pounds. And now we have Bugsy. Bugsy's about 21 pounds, but he hasn't changed in years. And he's, he's a good eater. And he's, he's also huge. He's just a big cat size-wise. His frame is huge. So I don't worry about him, but all my other cats are, you know, 10, 11 pounds, 9 pounds, except for Ponzu, of course, our new kitty, who is right now only 6 pounds, but he's growing. He's adorable. But anyway, so it's very important to ask your veterinarian what you should be feeding your cat. Another feeling I have, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So don't think, just because you're listening to me here, that you need to run out and buy something new. Talk to your veterinarian. If you're on a good diet already, stay where you are. No need to make a change. Next up. What vaccinations are appropriate for my cat? And as you know, I am, of course, not anti-vaccine, but I do believe, and obviously the profession has already done so itself by making certain changes in vaccine protocols, but we as a profession have been over-vaccinating our pets. So what used to be a one-year vaccine is now every three. And what I like to do is look at core vaccines and look at lifestyle Look at local municipal uh, rules and regulations and laws. I mean, here in California, rabies for cats is not required. So if I have an indoor-only cat, even all my six, right, I'm not inviting raccoons or bats into my house. They're not going to be bitten by a rabid animal. They don't get out. Uh, yes, one can argue, well, if they do. Well, I'm not going to give my cat a rabies shot every year or three years, depending on which rabies vaccine I use, just because maybe they might get out for a day or so. Plus, in Los Angeles, where I live, right, in the burbs, we don't have rabies. There's been no reported cases of rabies. If you live out in a mountain somewhere, right, or in the hills or an area that's, that rabies is endemic, then, of course, you're going to vaccinate against rabies. Next, leukemia virus or FIP. If your cat's not part of a category, we already know the FIP vaccine is not that great. It's not really that loved. Uh, FELV vaccine, of course it is, but again, for an outdoor cat. Think of it, prolonged direct contact with leukemia-positive cats. 
Now, my cats do not have prolonged direct contact with leukemia-positive cats. Therefore, I do not add another vaccine. So talk to your veterinarian. You want to think about the prevalence of a disease in your area. You want to talk about the possibility of contagion, all right, the ramifications of the vaccine. You know, certain vaccines, there's something called feline vaccine. It's a, it's a sarcoma, fibrosarcoma that might be vaccine-induced. Well, I don't want to give my cats a, a cancer like that. So we have to be very, very careful. It's not something you flip and say, oh, time to go. I'm going to go to that, I'm going to go to that vaccine clinic at the pet store parking lot on Sunday. No, you don't want to do that because you need to talk to a veterinarian and really evaluate what is best for your cat. Next up, what should you be doing differently at home? You know, again, we have to think about that. Uh, it might be, depending on the problem, you might need to change uh, litter. If your cat's all of a sudden exhibiting some behavior issues, not using the litter box, urinating or defecating elsewhere, is there a behavior problem? What might you do? You might need to enrich your cat's environment. You might need to change litter. You might need to change litter location. You might need to change litter box. You know, a lot of people will tell me about the problems with litter boxes, and we find out they're using a covered litter box. Now, I understand the benefits of a covered litter box. You've got that little filter in it. It takes away the smell. Yeah, that's dandy. But guess what? A lot of cats don't like to use covered litter boxes. I mean, when they are urinating or defecating, okay, that is uh, one time when they are at the most risk because they're sitting there sort of unprotected. They are setting themselves up in nature. If that were a natural environment, you don't want to be in some place where you can't see a predator approaching or something that's going to freak you out or the dog if you have a multi-pet household with dogs and cats. They want to be there where they can look around as they're doing their business and making sure that everything is safe. So when these, I mean, a lot of owners, a lot of you out there like to use the covered boxes or you like to, you hide the litter box in a closet and you leave a crack in the closet just big enough for the cat to get through, but not the dog. Yeah, that's great too, but it's dark in there and it's hidden. Everything is, and cats just don't like it. Well, no wonder they're not using the litter box. So you have to sort of think about these, some of these things and work along with your environment and also understand, remember that I'm lucky. I mentioned this before with my six cats. I actually should have seven litter boxes around the house. It's always one plus the number of cats. And if you have two stories, at least one on each level of the house. If you have a basement, one down there, wherever the cats go or have access to, you have to have a litter box there as well. And um, I don't have that many, but I have huge boxes. We clean them multiple times a day. And my cats, fortunately, are loving it, so I'm, I'm less concerned. But uh, I know I'm getting away lucky. So anyway, yeah, it's, it's very important to talk to your veterinarian or a, a feline, a cat behaviorist, if you're having a problem, what might you be doing differently at home? And then also ask, as the last question, Doc, when do you want to see me back? You know, one of the problems, problems with these new vaccine schedules, which, by the way, I am in support of, is the, the reminders typically, we've always linked the exam to a vaccine. So when the vaccine was due once a year, you were coming once a year, we got to do our exam. But now some of the vaccines are every three years, or you might decide to titer and not vaccinate until, so when are you going to go back to the vet? So it's very important to speak to your veterinarian, get on a schedule. We still want to see you at least once a year if you have a young, healthy, uh, young adult pet. And as they get older, middle age, and certainly into seniors, we want to see them two or even three times a year, depending on age and what's going on. So don't sit back and relax and say, oh, God, I'm good for another three years. No, the vaccine may be good for another three years, but we want to see your cat at least once a year when they're younger and more frequently as they get older. And of course, if they're on medication or the doctor sends the medication home, make sure you know when, doc, you want to see me back. You want to recheck in a week. Are we going to recheck that urine in two weeks when we finish the antibiotics? When do we come back for that x-ray? 
make sure you're very clear as when you need to go uh, go back to see your doctor again. So anyway, that about does it for us. Boy, the time goes fast. Uh, if you have any topics, I'm a, a abundant of information here. If you have any topics that you'd like me to address, please get a hold of me at drjeff, drjeff at petliferadio.com. Uh, and uh, send me a note. It'll get forwarded to me, and I could use uh, your note, and we'll uh, talk about some whatever you want to talk about on one of my upcoming weeks. Have a wonderful week, and we'll be here same time, 9 a.m. on the West, noon back East, and anything in between next Sunday. Have a wonderful week. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.